If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. In this episode, I'm again joined by Nemours associate Lindsay Killian and her husband, Dr. Thomas Killian. Lindsay is a new awards specialist in the Sponsored Projects Office in the Delaware Valley. Tom is the executive director for the Kent Center in Chestertown, Maryland, which provides services for individuals with developmental and intellectual disabilities. Through newborn screening blood work many years ago, Tom was diagnosed with a genetic metabolic condition known as phenylketonuria, or PKU. In the last episode, a link to which we'll include in today's show notes, we heard how Tom and his family coped with this diagnosis while he was growing up, how he and Lindsay met in college, married, and gave deep consideration to their children's health even before their children were conceived, knowing that the odds of having a child with PKU were high. In their case, one in two. Fast forward to 2022, and they are the proud parents of two young sons, four-and-a-half-year-old TJ and soon-to-be one-year-old Nicholas. Nicholas is without a PKU diagnosis, yet TJ does have the condition, meaning fully one-half of the Killian family is on a strict, modified, so-called PKU diet. Today, we'll delve into the extra work required for the family just to travel together, the struggles they've faced with health insurance coverage, the extra considerations required when making major family purchases like a home or a car, and the reasons why Nemours, even without a PKU clinic, is so near and dear to Lindsay's heart that she was determined to work here. But first, let's hear from Lindsay Killian as she describes her older son, TJ, who, despite his PKU diagnosis, is in many ways a typical preschooler. TJ is four and a half, a new little baby brother, so he's learning so much. He's a sponge. Some days are easier than others. And like Tom said, a thing with PKUers is it's not just diet, it's also neurological. So TJ has had a few days, almost it feels like a week or so, of struggling with diet, which has a domino effect, which causes us to get notes from daycare. And we're kind of like, our hands are like, well, I'm sorry, he's not listening. He's not listening at home either. But we know at four and a half, it's hard to decipher, is it a four and a half year old behavior or is it the domino effect from PKU? That's where we are as parents, kind of in that gray zone of trying to decipher, okay, do we need to sit down and go on timeout? Or do we need to sit down and have a snack? Are you acting out because your levels are high and you have left your milk cup in your room and you want to play Play-Doh instead? 
Or is this because you're jealous? You're a typical four and a half year old who's jealous of the new baby brother. Like, what is it? And at four and a half, they're also learning all these emotions and trying to decipher, like, I feel happy because, or I feel sad and I'm upset because. So we had that process going on too. So TJ, PKU removed, he is your normal, typical little four and a half year old who loves dinosaurs, cars, Play-Doh. He loves to run and play outside. I, I think Tom and I both agree sports are in his future. We don't know which ones, <laughs> but he, he loves sports. He loves, his, he loves to read to his little brother, but like brothers can be. He also doesn't always love his brother too. <laughs> um, and learning how to share toys. But I mean, TJ, he can be the best snuggler and a best fighter all at the same time. It sounds like he's he's just a real good kid. He's a good he's a good four and a half year old. <laughs> he will teach you a lot. Talk about how, you know, things like food storage changed for you. Just going on a simple trip to Target. How did you incorporate <laughs> holidays and school events and eating out and making sure that this very social event was something that TJ felt included in? Well, whenever we were purchasing our last really our last two homes. It was important not just that Tom had the yard and the garage that he wanted, but we also had to make sure that there was square footage for a second refrigerator and a deep freezer because with the medical foods, they're either dry shipped or they're on dry ice and they need to be frozen. So storage is important. His current formula mixture is still PKU formula based. And then what we add to is part water and part actually almond milk. And you might be thinking, well, almonds have protein in it. Yeah, he it does have some protein in it, but it's lower than soy milk, lower than oat milk, and it's obviously lower than regular whole milk. And our refrigerator, we need to accommodate for three different milks. We need, we have Tom's milk. We have TJ's milks, which he has, his formula mixture has vanilla almond milk mix and an original almond milk mix and then there's mommy's milk which i'm on oat milk right now so it's kind of you got to accommodate for three different milks in our household and then there's a deep freezer which has the medical foods that we try to get tj to eat and then we have the variety of different shapes of french fries and potato products because like i said according to tj he thinks his chicken nuggets are round and they're actually tater tots or they're baby cakes, which are like onion and potato fried mixture. So we need to accommodate a variety of French fries, shapes, sizes, and flavors. And then also we need to have the pantry. Like our last two homes, we were very fortunate to find homes that the cherry on top was the pantries. Because in our current pantry, I have labeled a shelf and a half really of PKU pastas. PKU foods, non-PKU foods, and on a high shelf, it's the absence and no-no foods because those are the ones that, you know, that's where the peanut butter is. That's our emergency stash. If TJ's having a bad day, he really needs to have something high in fee. I'll reach for a certain kind of uh, candy or so that he can have to give him the spike. Or if he needs something that needs calories and no protein, I have that labeled as well. 
Talk about the experience of eating out. I know you have a, a special letter that you carry with you at all times. Talk about that. Yeah, this is, I think, something that's different from how our experience is parents versus Tom's upbringing. And because when we go out, I mean, before COVID, as everyone referenced, before COVID, when we would go out with TJ, we would always have a letter of medical necessity. And that letter of medical necessity would state the condition that he has and the reason for needing a food scale, access to his formula, and also his dietary supplement called DuoCal, which is basically a white powder of carbohydrates and fats because your body needs calories. And Todd's really good at explaining the science between calories because he experienced that Mm -hmm. when he was doing sports. His body was basically breaking down on itself because he needed the calories. And we haven't been pulled over yet. If we would ever be pulled over, I kind of played the scenario with a couple ways, a couple of ways with Tom, like if we would get pulled over, what do you think the police would see, think of there's a small scale on the floor and there's white powder residue because, you know, mixing formula and a dietary supplement into a sippy cup while driving on the interstate, especially in Pennsylvania, where our families are still located, it's not always a smooth ride and accidents happen. I said, what do you think they would think we were doing? I said, we need to have a letter, I feel like. And when we first went to clinic, the nurse practitioner just looked at us. She goes, okay, I understand. I'll get you a letter. And that we have two copies. We have a copy that goes to school with him and to his daycare bag. Because if the state, if the daycare ever get visited for an inspection, there's a reason why TJ has his milk with him at all times. And then also we have our letter that travels with us with our food scale. And it was that first family trip as a young family with when it was TJ was an infant. I designated what I called a traveling PKU kitchen. Tom designated it as you're over preparing, overthinking us all. And but in my mind, you we didn't know what we we're gonna need because again, children are so unpredictable, especially when, you know, they love something one day, they won't eat something the other day. And with PKU, food is very important part of the treatment plan. And the diet is a key element. So I would have in this PKU travel kitchen, an electric hot plate and then an electric pot that I could use to boil water and make pasta in hotel rooms. Because our first family trip when TJ was about, he was about a year and a half when we went to Georgia. And thankfully, that hotel had a microwave and a mini fridge in the room. But at that point, TJ was in the pasta kick hardcore. Like he only would eat pasta. So we needed to travel with pasta, dry pasta, and that little PKU kitchen. And we didn't know what foods were going to be available. So I also had a cooler (laughs) with enough almond milk. For a week. So between the cooler with the almond milk and the butter and the oil, because again, we didn't know was there going to be a Walgreens or a corner store where we could pick up like oil to add to the pasta while it, while it cooks. Because again, adding oil to the water, not only does it prevent the pasta from sticking, but it also adds a little extra calories to that pasta that TJ needs. So that first trip traveling was an experience. Traveling with a toddler is always an experience. Lay on the PKU and I'm sure that it was, uh, you learned, you both learned a lot. Tom, I want to circle back to the the calorie question and Mm -hmm. playing sports and maybe someday 
TJ would like to play sports. You played sports. What kind of special considerations did you need to make in your sports career? I'm assuming high school, maybe college. Well, number one, you know, always trying to meet the special diet was hard in in college. In, In high school, I really didn't follow it much. But in high school, one of the things that happened was because I was so active and having a higher metabolism and and eating some of the foods that I was eating, my calories were burning quick. I wasn't getting the recommended dose. Back then they had Duocal, same stuff that my son's on, but it was in the form of a, like a, a hurt, like a Hershey's bar, but it was like strawberry and it tasted like wax. It was disgusting. But each one of those bars was like 2000 calories in one shot. So I would eat that and drink a, a Coke with it. And that would give me enough of calories for the, for the game, whether I was doing track and field, baseball or football. But I had to do that because what was happening was my body was burning my muscle. And, you know, that was causing my feet to spike pretty high. So in my sophomore year of high school, I actually had to sit out for a couple of weeks to be able to recover from that and build up my calorie base and work with my clinic and my dietitian to really figure out how to increase that. So going forward, I would always eat before the games. I would also, and when I was in school, before we had a, any kind of an event, I would always have my milk with me. I would have to drink that. I would always have snacks with me. Before the game, I would have my bar and, you know, some soda. During the event, it was really hard because all I could really have was any kind of fruits or whatever. And then afterwards, it was kind of like I reloaded up again. And then going into college wasn't too bad. It was easier. Um, They really helped accommodate. And when I first went in, they really never had anybody who had any kind of dietary need. So I was able to, you know, work with them and they were able to provide the special diets for me. I was able to go over before breakfast and even after dinner at night to get extra food if I wanted to, just so they can help accommodate that. So college, it was a little bit easier than it was in high school. And I'm listening to the two of you and I'm hearing refrigerators and special formula and food that needs to be ordered from Seattle across the country. Um, Talk about affordability, especially from the angle of healthcare coverage for your family. What's been your experience here? Well, the insurance coverage is really the main reason why our family has kind of ping-ponged between Pennsylvania, Maryland, back to Pennsylvania, now to Delaware for the last two years, really, because every state kind of dictates the insurance insurance policies that are offered in those states must cover and the riders that are included. So every state is different. And we were very fortunate at the beginning stages of our PKO journey. Then in Pennsylvania, the medical formula was covered 100% for TJ, which was a huge blessing. Today, that's not the case. And when we moved to Maryland, we were told the coverage is the same. As it turns out, it wasn't. With no PKU formula health insurance coverage required in Maryland and Pennsylvania making the same move, the Killians began to look for another PKU-friendly state, one which required insurance companies to cover PKU formula. Florida was a lead contender, at least initially. But I said, hold up. The idea of moving to Florida sounds wonderful, but if we need Grammy and Pappy, they're not going to be able to hop in the car and be there in a couple hours. So Florida, as lovely as it sounds, it wasn't feasible for a young family. 
especially the fact that Tom and I, we were going to be expanding the family. So I really didn't want to be away from the family at that point. So that's where like, okay, we kind of focused on the tri-state area where we knew Maryland was sort of out. Pennsylvania was kind of out. And that's where we landed on Delaware. So Delaware was pretty okay. It's been fairly good to us. But it's the once Tom and I accepted jobs, it's always the question of before I formally accept, can you explain your insurance policy? <laughs> because really that's in our family, that's the key part because we know TJ's going to clinic at least twice a year. We know TJ's going to need a specialty pharmacy that will offer his formula. And ideally, hopefully they have a rider that will cover medical foods because we were also in TJ's first year after he started solids. Our clinic was amazing. They got us a $500 allowance per month for medical food, mm -hmm. which we had never like in our little, in the PKU parent community, people were like, wow, how'd you do that? We're like, we have no idea. It took two I said, I don't know what the magic words were that came out of our clinic's team's mouth that made the insurance company go, okay. But it, I will say it took two appeal processes mm -hmm. and the entire team to get that. And I will say there's other parents in the community. Someone, I just got a message today, someone petitioned all the way to the um, National Medical Review Board. And they were like, yeah, their insurance policy is inadequate and they need to provide coverage. So it's possible, but it is almost like a, another full-time job, really, because you are on the phone and like basically you're begging with these insurance companies for coverage because to an insurance company, in their eyes, you can go to a grocery store and buy food. Why do you need us to cover it? And with the Duocal, in their eyes, they classify it as a dietary supplement even the same with the medical formula. Even though it's, it's called a medical formula, it's a dietary supplement. So in the insurance point of view is, well, you can go to Walmart, you can go to GNC or other specialty stores and buy dietary supplements. Why do we need to cover it? And I'm like, well, it is a medical supplement. There's a medical supplement that requires a prescription and monitoring from a medical staff. So dealing with insurance companies, Tom and I both were somewhat well-versed in the insurance terms for never working for insurance companies before we had TJ. But then after TJ, I think we helped educate other insurance companies and case managers who were like, oh, I understand. But the appeal process is, says this or that. And that just adds an extra stress to what you're already, already dealing with. Talk about the importance of newborn screening to discover this and other genetic issues. That newborn screening is very important. And the conditions that are tested will vary based upon the state. Some states test for as few as 28 and other states test for as many as 73. So every state determines what conditions are tested and which conditions are covered. And conditions that are not tested for can have a life-altering impact on a child or on a family that could result in a number of outcomes. So that newborn screening, that is actually something I remember asking for is when are they going to do it? When are they going to do it? Because I knew it was going to be in the first 24 to 48 hours after birth. 
But I was just like, when are they going to do it? Because in my mind, I was like, that is so important. I need to know that it was done. But yeah, it is so vital and so important that newborn screening. Let me ask this. Somebody listening right now maybe has a child, a grandchild with a new diagnosis of PKU. What would you say to encourage them to lift their spirits, to tell them, you know, this is life changing, but it's not life ending? I would say, like I said, you're going to have a village that's going to be able to lift you higher than you ever thought, especially on those days where you get off the phone and tears, because there will be tears both from the child and from you, because you're going to be getting those denial letters and trying to figure out how are we going to pay for this formula? How are we going to pay for this food? Where are we going to be able to get this food? You're going to be in tears, but there's going to be days where you're like, I found gluten-free products on sale and clearance and we can freeze it and it's still going to be good. And you get so excited and you get excited for when there's holiday events at school and a parent decides to bring in bubbles instead of cupcakes or they bring in coloring books instead of cupcakes for it to celebrate a birthday. You're going to be so excited for those days. There's a lot of scary things that can happen when you go off diet. And of course, nowadays, if you get a diagnosis, it's typical. One of the almost first thing, natural instincts anymore is to Google it. And I would say, don't Google, stop Googling and forget anything you read on Dr. Google. Because Tom has PKU. Tom graduated with his PhD this this summer. So just because he had PKU doesn't mean they won't be able to accomplish much. Because Tom is, has his PhD. And there's someone else at Tom's clinic that was working on their PhD as well. Mm-hmm. For parents who have a PKUer, I would highly recommend investing in a food scale and a label maker <laughs> and a variety of a good thermo flask because your child's going to need milk. And it's a whole lot easier whenever you think you're going to have a quick trip to Target. It's not going to be a quick trip to Target. So get a little snack bag that can fit a little thermos for their milk and labels, label, 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 label everything. And, and one other thing, get a bigger car. (laughs) Um, I had a Durango when Lindsay put together her hotel kit. I needed extra stuff to strap it to the roof. So I was thinking suburban, but just going to need a bigger car. The only other thing I would say is when it comes to PKU, there are different methods to managing it. And there are different strategies. Not all clinics are the same. That was part of the reason why we switched clinics was not just for continuity of care. Because the way the folks at St. Christopher measure and account for PKU and the fee and the allowance, it was something that Tom and I could better understand versus the ones that other clinics had done. And TJ's on a simplified diet. Not all clinics participate in a simplified diet. So there are foods that are, quote, free foods that TJ can have an abundance of, whereas other clinics, they count and measure everything. Always understand your clinic's treatment. Ask questions. The parent group on Facebook is amazing because it's parents across the country and even international. So people in Europe, they have a completely different method of counting and treating PKU and they do things differently, but you can translate that to something that works for you. So there are different options and hopefully with all the research that's being done, especially in the last year, 
I'm hopeful that maybe there might be a cure someday, at least in TJ's lifetime. The Killian family has had more than their fair share of firsthand encounters with the world of pediatric health care. But it was one encounter on a stormy evening not long ago with baby Nicholas that made an incredibly indelible impression on Lindsay, to the point where working here at Nemours became an imperative. Lindsay Killian. I came to Nemours based upon an interaction I had with our infant son who found himself in in the ER one night. And it was a night where there was a hurricane, of course, blowing through the area. And the hurricane opened up as soon as I pulled into the parking lot. So I make my way into the ER with little six-month-old Nicholas at the time, soaking wet. And there I was talking to some of the nurses about, oh, yeah, this is my second baby. I said, but it might as well be my first baby because older brother's PKU. And she looked at me. She goes, PKU? And I said, yeah. She goes, my friend has a daughter who's PKU. She's 10 years old. And I said, really? I said, the Moors, do they have a clinic? And she's like, no, we don't have a clinic. I said, I said, because I couldn't find one online. She's like, no, they don't have a clinic. She goes to Philadelphia somewhere. I was like, oh, so do we. And in that conversation, even though we were there for Nicholas, who's not PKU, the environment that I experienced in the ER was one that. In my mind, I'm focused on Nicholas, but in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking about TJ because it was dinner time. It was a storm coming through. Tom was juggling all the stuff that happens. And I'm texting Tom about how to measure certain things and trying to translate what TJ could have for dinner. And the nurse, she just looked at me. She goes, it's okay. Do you want me to hold? Do you want me to hold Nicholas for you? And I said, oh my God. I said, could you? Because... I was the only parent allowed to go there with Nicholas. So I'm dripping wet. The nurse brings a towel, hangs it over, a warm towel over my shoulders, holds Nicholas for, for a few minutes so I could text Tom, figure out, you know, this is how I measured. Because it was a day, of course, TJ has spaghetti and he had to figure out how many noodles did he actually eat and what can he have for dinner. So it was that conversation, that experience where I was like, when I left, I told Tom, I said, I'm going to work at Nemours. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to work at no more. I said, this was the one of the best experience I've had in a hospital, no matter if it was a children's hospital or not. I said, and ask my mom, I've experienced a lot of hospitals in my travel. I was one of those children, but I was determined. And I left. I said, I'm going to get a job at no I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to find my niche and I'm going to find it with Nemours. Lindsay Killian is a new awards specialist in the Sponsored Projects Office in the Delaware Valley region of Nemours. She was joined in conversation by her husband, Dr. Thomas Killian, executive director of the Kent Center in Chestertown, Maryland. Nemours Associate Stories. That's what we're all about here on the Champions for Children podcast. If you'd like to share yours, we are booking interviews now to air in February, March, and April. Yes, really. If you'd like to be part of it, send your podcast idea to podcast at Nemours.org. We record virtually and at your convenience. That email again is podcast at Nemours.org. 
Thanks, as always, to our production team, Peter Adebi and Deborah Griffin. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. Listen to any of our past episodes via your favorite podcast app or just tell your smart speaker to play the Champions for Children podcast. On behalf of Lindsay and Tom Killian, I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve.